Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Common Sense with Dr. Ben Carson. I'm your host, Ben Carson. And today, we want to welcome a friend who has his own podcast. We all know him as one of the hardest working grassroots activists who has mobilized hundreds of thousands of high school and college students across the country for conservative and freedom-loving causes. Of course, you know that I'm talking about Charlie Kirk a name that uh, is a household name these days. He's a husband, a father, a patriot, and a friend. So welcome, Charlie. Thank you, Dr. Carson. It's an honor. And uh, I continue to look up to you and have looked up to you for a very long time. And uh, really thankful to be in the trenches with you to save this country. Well, thank you. And, you know, Turning Point is just an amazing organization. And uh, we've been privileged at uh, American Cornerstone to partner with uh, Turning Point and go to a number of uh, universities in the last few months, and we'll continue that in this coming year. Uh, it's fascinating talking to these students on their college campuses and seeing how effective uh, the program has been. But uh, what do you think about higher education these days? <laughs> well, outside of Hillsdale College, which is a wonderful place, and Liberty and a couple others, uh, higher education is hardly education. And, you know, the uh, education in Latin means to lead forth. So to lead forth towards truth. Um, it actually, the word originated from the allegory of the cave that you try to go from you know, being in darkness and looking at a simulation towards enlightenment or towards the light. Uh, that is not what you get at most universities and college campuses. Now, there are mm -hmm. some exceptions, but a vast majority of them um, have an emphasis on indoctrination and, more importantly, ingratitude. And they, they create a sense of bitterness and, dare I say, resentment amongst uh, the rank and file where they don't study the classics of Western civilization or understand um, how incredible this country is and what we are blessed to live in. Instead, uh, they train an entire generation to look for flaws where they don't exist, to overemphasize 
alleged injustices, as if the entire story is around that. And it, it creates an unhappy generation. We know that. It's the unhappiest generation uh, in recorded history, the most suicidal, the most anxious, the most depressed, the most medicated, the most alcohol and drug addicted. And I'm not going to say college is only to blame for that, but they're certainly not helping um, because the philosophical cancer that we find in these universities is, yes, wokeism, but at the root of wokeism is this postmodern secular idea that God is nothing more than a man-created mythology, that you're not here for any sort of purpose. You might as well just feel good and just pursue your own um, immediate hedonistic self-interest. And it's a tragedy because having spent time at Hillsdale College and not having gone to college myself, but having you know sat through some of the very rigorous classes taught by Dr. Larry Arn and many others, I see a glimmer of what education could be and what it once was, uh, which is the development of the soul, of the good, the true and the beautiful. And as you saw exhibited during the terrible and the repulsive anti-Semitic rallies at Harvard, um, education is far from that. It's closer to creating activists than nurturing good citizens. Well, a lot of this uh, seems to be fomented at the university level, but uh, I'm seeing a lot of it in high school students, even middle school students. And I'm not so sure that it doesn't even start in kindergarten, this uh, indoctrination that's going on. But when did, when did you get started with your activism? I mean, I think you were in high school, weren't you? Yeah, I was <laughs> in uh, junior or senior in high school, and I wanted to go to West Point. Uh, at the time, I did not get in, which ended up being a great thing. Um, and I decided to start this organization, Turning Point USA, because I was very worried at the time um, that the millennial generation was going too far to the progressive direction. Um, one of the untold success stories is actually how millennials uh, have moved 30 or 40 points uh, in their worldview in the last decade. They're far less liberal than they were 10 years ago. It's an underreported win, actually, uh, because you remember millennials were supposed to be the most progressive generation, exactly. the most liberal generation. Uh, that's right around the time I became aware of you with your wonderful speech at the National Prayer Breakfast. Um, mm -hmm. And I've been an admirer ever since and now honored to call you a friend. Um, and then we started Turning Point, and it's just become this movement on high school and college campuses, and it's grown where we fight for virtue and Western civilization, free speech and markets and private property rights and the Constitution and, you know, things that shouldn't be wildly controversial. And I love when you said common sense, because I believe God gives us common sense because we're made in the image of God, and I believe God has common sense. And, you know, it's very funny, Dr. Carson, I, I go on campus and I'm they, they call me controversial because I say that there are two sexes. And I get, you know, they say that, how dare you, you know, say this. And I just, 20 years ago, you would say that and people would kind of look at you funny as if, okay, well, why, why is this necessary for you to repeat? And so I, I, one, of the, um, one of the guiding beliefs we have at Turning Point USA is that the university system is the originator, is the incubator of many of the bad ideas that are now in corporate America, in Congress, and in our laws. So started our activism 11 years ago, and it's grown beyond anything we could have imagined. Glory be to God. Yeah, it is God. God is in, 
it's God-inspired. And, uh, you know, I'm just delighted to see the impact that it's having. But, you know, you are much more articulate and successful than most college graduates. Is college necessary? <laughs> well, I would have you answer that question if someone wants to be a brain surgeon. Um, so probably. Uh, so for some fields, yes. But it's not necessary for what the vast majority of parents think they're going to get. And I'll name a couple off. Number one, it's not necessary to develop a, a working worldview. In fact, if you want a working worldview, don't go to college. Uh, that, that, that is a bad, bad place to get a worldview that is based in anything that is functioning or that is going to deliver um, a meaningful life. It's not necessary, and some you know some parents will say, you know, I really want my kids to um, be aware of all the different ideas and to nurture their soul. Okay, again, if you go to maybe a collection of schools, you'll get that. Otherwise, it's just a it's just an assembly line of trash, to be honest. And I don't say that lightly. Um, I, I could go through some of the details, and I write this in my book, The College Scam. You know, and then other parents will say, but my kid needs to go to college to get a job. That is increasingly not true. Um, there is still some truth to that. Um, I will acknowledge that. But more and more employers are actually looking um, for students that did not go to college or they might have a specific skill set. And the tragedy is that, and this is when we started to embrace the Woodrow Wilsonian model of education, we went away from the classical model of education towards this Prussian bureaucrat idea that you're nothing more than a desk worker. The classical version of education, which we have completely deviated, which I know you're doing at the American Cornerstone Institute, is we are the most interested in developing good citizens and right. good people and people of character. And the skills can be layered on later in life, um, meaning that the technical side of things can, can be done in a couple months of a specialty program. We're much more interested in a student that knows good versus evil, holy versus profane, the distinction between God and man, uh, who can define mercy and justice, compassion and courage. We're, a student that can do that is someone who can, then can easily learn how to code or to become a nurse practitioner. Instead, what we've done, and a lot of parents have fallen for this, Dr. Carson, is they say, well, I just want my, my uh, kid to get a bunch of skills and then get out of college. That, that's fine. It's probably, if you can get that without the indoctrination, not the worst thing. But that doesn't create a good society. Uh, that doesn't create a society that knows the Ten Commandments and believes that a God is watching their actions and knows that there's an eternal component to their existence. So is college necessary? For most people, it is not. It is not. Well, I bet there are a lot of people who are listening right now who, are, who have children who are about to go to college. And they would be very interested in knowing from Charlie Kirk what college they should send their kids to. How should they make that decision? Well, uh, at risk of turning this into a Hillsdale College commercial, I will say that. There's other great ones, too. Um, there is Liberty. Uh, Grand Canyon is doing a much better job. They, I, I will say that they've really uh, done great in the last couple of years. Um, and I, I have a list of like College of the schools. Ozarks. Yeah, College of the Ozarks is great. And again, when I list this, I always get angry emails. Charlie, what about this school and this school? It's <laughs> not an exhaustive list. There are some good ones out there. I, I don't want to uh, misrepresent it. But let's say that you're sending your kid 
or your grandkid uh, to the University of Illinois or uh, University of Iowa, what are you to do? Well, first of all, find your local turning point group because community can be a good hedge against indoctrination um, to find like-minded people. And Dr. Carson, you've been selling out these arenas that we send you. I saw this picture. We, we brought you to Auburn and you packed the room and we brought you to North Carolina and you packed the room. So you can speak to the power of turning point on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, if you're sending uh, a loved one, a young loved one to a university, just make sure that they're going for the right reasons. Um if they're going for a very specific, hey, I want to become a nurse and this is a good nursing school, then that that they usually can survive with the values they were raised with. The the danger and the caution that I would share is when a student goes to uh, a university and they say, I'm, I'm not really sure why I'm going and I'm going to kind of choose my major along the way and can't wait to, you know, to find myself. Uh, that, that is usually a recipe for disaster. Uh, and I would say that if you are a grandparent or parent, um, you, you should, you should involve yourself early because Absolutely. those people, those people are the raw material for the activists. Yeah. I've always found that kind of, kind of funny when people say they're trying to find themselves. You know, I've, I found myself uh, a long, long time ago. I never lost myself. That's right. <laughs> well, but, and, uh, yeah. We're going to take a, a very quick uh, one-minute break here, and we'll be right back with Charlie Kirk with more Common Sense. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we're back with Common Sense, our fascinating guest, Charlie Kirk. You've all heard of him. And, uh, you know, I've noticed on a lot of these very widely viewed videos that you do with your encounters on the colleges that there are some students who are very contrarian and they want to argue with you. Uh, they don't seem to have a lot of facts to back up their arguments. And you always come loaded with a truckload of facts. It makes a big difference. But uh, these angry kids, um, are they just being naturally contrarian or is there something behind this? That's a really great question. Um, I, I think some of it is naturally contrarian. Look at me. I'm at college away from my parents. You know, everything that I was raised to believe is a lie. You know, that sort of stuff can kind of be rather 
um, it can be really tempting, honestly, and it can make you feel good as if you've, you know, discovered the truth. <laughs> Part of it also, though, is a spiritual sickness. Very few, I would say, I've never had a student who was nasty to me, who was, um, uh, let's say, just what you, what would be considered to be um, awful on one of these videos, who was religious, of any religion. Hmm. If someone, and I mean that, Judaism, you know, or whatever, Hinduism, Christianity. Sure. I, I, I find that the students that have some form in a belief of the eternal, obviously I believe Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life. But even if you have an ethical monotheistic worldview, you tend to approach disagreement differently. Mm-hmm. And you tend to approach just, you know, a guy on campus who might have some strong opinions um, with a greater heaviness. I find the secular student to be the most brazen, dare I say, the most prideful um, and definitely the most opinionated. Yeah, I, I, I think that's true that they not only have strong opinions, but in many cases, they don't want to hear another opinion. They're very happy to shut down speech that they don't like and be very disruptive. And uh, interestingly, um, I think that is a precursor to totalitarianism. Yes. And that's that's the way they always start out. Nah, we don't want to hear what you have to say. That's right. Because only we have the truth. And it really is very dangerous. But have any of these contrarians ever changed your opinion? That's a great question. Um, Changed, no. Made me have some more nuance at times, absolutely. Um, You know, I I look back at some of the campus videos from five or six years ago, and I think to myself, you know, I could have been a little bit softer in my reply of maybe they make a good point. And so what I'm trying to do at times is, look, if I think a student makes a good point, especially if they come after it in good faith, you know, I'm 30 years old now. Some of these students are 19 or 20. That's a decade difference. You know, they're coming up to the microphone uh, and that takes a lot of courage. I do this for a living. They're still new to this. I want to try to offer them grace. Now, if they come 10 out of 10, Dr. Carson, and they're insulting me and, you know, then it's like, OK, I mean, I'm, I'm going to uh, push back a little bit. And I think people have seen those videos. Right. <laughs> but generally, I, I've been pretty happy. And honestly, thanks to the Holy Spirit of the self-control that only the Holy Spirit can give me, that I've kind of kept an even keel. Um, but yes, I will say that at certain universities where I do, so I, there's a couple different formats I do this. I'll do it the traditional way that uh, Dr. Carson, we bring you to these campuses where you know it's an arena and they'll come up and ask questions and that's about an hour and a half, two hours. And then I'll do it in an untraditional way where I'll, I'll just sit at a card table on campus for a couple hours and anybody can come up and anybody can ask a question. Those are actually the most interesting. Um, mm. And at times you get the very viral video of the kid flip, you know, just like, you know, really angry at you. And, and that that's fine. And that exists. And that needs to be, you know, br- you know, drawn attention to because it's outrageous. But there there's there's students that are really wrestling with these ideas. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, they've never heard or had an had an opportunity to engage with the opposition point of view. And. I, I, I also I feel a sense of obligation because for a lot of these students, this will be their only um, their only exposure to a conservative 
and they'll probably remember the style even more than the substance. And, you know, you do such a beautiful job of this, Dr. Carson, of just being, you know, so steady and so loving and graceful, yet full of truth. And I want to try to embody that because, you know, for a 20-year-old young lady who thinks conservatives are evil and thinks that Christians are the problem, I might be the one, the only few, you know, exposures that she might get. And I hope I honor that while not compromising the truth. Absolutely. And what what are the issues that that you're most successful in changing minds around? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, in changing minds, um, I would definitely say I'm successful in challenging the excesses of wokeism and of this left-wing nonsense. I think that if I can talk to anybody for more than five to 10 minutes, I can get them to retreat and backpedal on a series of things. For example, a black-only dormitories, right. or uh, the idea that men can give birth, or the idea that um, you know we should not have free speech. I will find that very few people they might initially say they believe it, but they cannot defend what we consider to be wokeism for more than five to 10 minutes. There is no depth there. There, there it, it is a shallow, um, like almost a Potemkin intellectual vi village. So that's one of my great successes, I think, is they might not become a conservative, but they might say, well, I, I'm not one of the woke people. I'm a classical liberal and I believe in free speech. I actually consider that to be a great accomplishment um, because I think that having the American left orient itself more around classical liberal values than this woke stuff would be a major accomplishment and really good for the civilization. Um, you know, I think of Alan Dershowitz. If the left was much more like Alan Dershowitz, who would defend our right to free speech and believe in due process and the rule of law, I think our country would be in a much better place. Um, and, you know, the issues, I'll be honest, Dr. Carson, one of the issues I don't waver on that we struggle with that is not a winning issue is abortion. And right. but I, I feel a moral obligation to speak clearly on this issue, um, to not back down on it. My job would be a lot easier if I just kind of did the cop out on the abortion issue. But I mean, I, I think there, there's no more important issue of how we defend those who can't defend themselves and to, to continue to talk about Imago Dei. We're all made in the image of God. He loves all of us. He has a purpose and a plan for all of us. Um, and so just being perfectly transparent and candid, um, that, that's an issue that is definitely I'm in the intellectual minority on mm -hmm. um, on these campuses. But then the other final issue that I think I can win people over is kind of just uh, turning down the temperature on the the radical anti-Americanism and creating some like they might say they hate the country, but just kind of questioning it. Like, come on, you really hate it so much. What other country is better? Is there anything we do right? And through a couple question, you know, a couple points of dialogue, I can usually get even the most for forceful anti-American activist to acknowledge that this place isn't that bad. Yes. Well, you know, on the abortion issue, uh, I like to say to people, you think it's okay to, to kill the baby because it's not really a human being. So can you explain to me why when somebody murders a pregnant woman, they get charged with two counts of murder? That's right. I That's think people right. don't think about that. 
But uh, we're going to take another quick break, and we'll be right back with Charlie Kirk with some more very interesting issues to explore. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back with Common Sense, Charlie Kirk, you all know him. I got a great question for him now. Why is identity politics, particularly race-based identity politics, so important to the progressive movement? That is a really important question. It's because it de-emphasizes merit. If, if you believe in sectarianism or tribal race-based identity politics, you, you basically believe in an American caste system, that you're in the tribe, you are always in the tribe, your melanin content dictates your tribe, and that agency or your choices really don't matter. Mm-hmm. And identity politics is basically just a veneer to say that you are predestined to a certain outcome regardless of how hard you study, how hard you work, how early you wake up, or the personal choices that you make. This is one of the reasons why I find identity politics so repulsive, because it treats people as part of an immovable massive collective block, not as individuals made in the image of the divine, where we all could be held accountable for what we do or what we don't do. It's by, it's by definition disempowering. So if you look at it from the left or from a a cultural Marxist or from an economically Marxist perspective, they don't believe in human agency. Uh, Karl Marx and Rousseau both would famously say, um, you know, a man is born free and he spends the rest of his life in chains. They don't believe that uh, you have this capacity to choose, that you can wake up one day and say, I'm not happy with who I am. And it's anti-Christian when you think about it, right? So... In Christianity, we believe that a human being can change their life in an instant thanks to the accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's the most hopeful message that we can deliver to a society. Identity politics is almost a death sentence. It's that you're black or you're Hispanic or you're a person of color or you're white and you're an oppressor and you must feel sorry for it, right? Which Mm -hmm. in some ways is also really bad. And there's really nothing you can do. There's, there's no course of action you could take. 
that can improve your life or can make you better. You're just, you're predestined for this path. And if I were to contrast the struggle in front of us, you know, we believe we want a society that's built on uh, merit, on character, on agency, on the beautiful things, not on the inconsequential things. And Absolutely. and they, they that that's why race is so critical to the the radical left, because if we stop talking about race, well, then all of a sudden we might talk about fathers and the nuclear family and talk about whether or not you're saving money or if you are passing down values. I think values is a much more important conversation than race. Absolutely. No question about it. And you also mentioned, uh, you know, the changing power of God in our lives. You know, I can testify to that because I used to have a terrible temper. And, uh, and God changed me. And people don't believe me. They say, I can't believe that you had a bad temper. But that's what the power of Amen. God can do in a person's life. And that brings me to my next question about the cultural changes going on in our society right now, which is basically moving from a Christian, Judeo-Christian philosophy to secularism. And as we move further down that road, it seems like we're spiraling downward. Uh, what, what role does the lack of faith play in what's happening to our country? It's a significant contribution as to why we're losing the country. Uh, G.K. Chesterton famously said that when people stop believing in God, they don't believe in nothing, they'll believe in anything. And that's where you get the rise of the most insane, right? Where that men can become women or men can give birth or that right. children should be taught pornographic elements at age nine or 10. And so one of, we, we don't teach our history correctly. America was founded on Christian values. It was also founded on an ethical monotheistic worldview that there is a God, you are not him, that there's a certain way he wants you to live, that you're a soul, first and foremost, that's in the material world, and that if you were to summarize what does the West believe in, the Ten Commandments is a great place to start. It's a great place to start. It starts with, of course, it's really the Ten Statements, and it's more than that, but that's a little theologically wonky, but I am the Lord your God who delivered you from Egypt. That's a statement of history, meaning that if you don't know your history, you can't have morality, and that's right. a very important truth. That before the Ten Commandments begins, God repeats, remember, I am the Lord your God who delivered you from Egypt. If you don't remember God's grace in the generations prior, you can't have a cogent morality. And what, what I, not to mention the ones that we forget today, honor your mother and father so that you may live long in the land of which you are in. It's the only Ten Commandment with a promise and it involves your country. It involves yes. your nation. You Absolutely. cannot have a country if you don't honor your parents. Um, so I, I could go, I could go on around that idea, but the modern secular regime that unfortunately far too many conservatives fall into, and I'm not saying you must be a Christian, but you must, you at least must be intellectually honest that absent a transcendent morality, whatever that might be, absent an ethical monotheistic type telos, as the Greeks would say, you don't have a country. And again, it doesn't have to, you don't have to be a Christian to believe this. I'll give you an example. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who's a practicing Hindu, will say mm -hmm. that if you do not believe in a transcendent belief in God, you cannot have Western civilization. 
So obviously we as Christians believe that is the ultimate way, but you must at least be, you know, you must at least have some intellectual honesty that a component in a eternal is something external of us that is beyond just our own reason is necessary. And, And the current secular world we're living in um it, it's it, we, we have not even begun to to taste how bad it's going to get and well, the, the the intellectual class wants to disassociate yes intelligence with god they say if you know anything about science then obviously you can't believe in god and uh but i i find it fascinating because they claim intellectualism and science, but they also say there was a big bang and everything came into being and it was perfectly organized and that this just occurred. Now, science, second law of thermodynamics, entropy, says things tend to move toward a state of disorganization. That's right. So there's a big bang and everything becomes organized. And I've, I've asked some Nobel Prize winning physicists to explain this to me. <laughs> and of course they can't. Uh, they say, we don't understand everything. Oh. And I say, I'm not sure you understand anything because you've left out the most important thing. But uh, that'll be a conversation that will continue for a long time. But, uh, you know, a lot of the young people, they say they no longer believe in, in, in democracy. And um, this is not only not only here in the U.S., but it seems to be a global phenomenon. Is is there somebody behind all of this? Do you think is is there some philosophy that's going around the globe here? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. The answer is yes. I, I think that there is a push towards oligarchy, and I, I think that sometimes we mislabel this as a dictatorship of the rule of the one. I think oligarchy is a much better description where it's going to be a small collection of elites or families and well-connected individuals that run our entire society. And we're almost living through that in some ways. I'm talking about the Soros's, Mackenzie Bezos, Lorene Powell jobs, where it's a couple hundred families that are very well-connected and they want to run the society. And you have to understand, they think they're doing good. And there is this um, idea that that is put forward in one of the Platonic dialogues called the Philosopher King. And uh, Plato argues, you know, in one of the dialogues with Socrates that, you know, look, this democracy thing, not a good idea. It's kind of unsustainable. What you really need is this kind of group of super smart, untouchable philosophers, and they're going to be kings over all of society. Mm-hmm. And they'll call the shots because they're the enlightened people and they know what's best. And it really is kind of this Anthony Fauci model that we're the oligarch, you're not, and we're going to make decisions for you because we've gone through the secret society. Now, without getting too abstract here, there are some very ancient elements of this, of Gnosticism and Hermeticism, that they believe they have the secret, Gnosis means mind in Greek, that they have the secret mind, secret knowledge that they're the ones that actually know how to run society. And if you think, if you really read into it, Dr. Carson, I'm not reaching too much. How often do you hear on TV, trust the experts, we're the ones that know, you're too stupid, we went to Harvard, 
And they kind of believe that because we we're members of the secret society that we have a PhD from Harvard and you guys are a plumber in Ohio that we're so much we, we understand things so much better than you that you have to give us all your political power and that we're going to design society. So what we're getting with this question you're asking is that is representative government going to be the direction of the future? I certainly hope so. That's only possible, though, if you have good citizens right? and and that you have a nourished population. This is why the American Cornerstone Institute and Turning Point USA and our collective efforts on podcasting is so important because I think we're bypassing the regular channels of how people are educated. If you have an educated, wise, curious population, you can have representative government. And without getting too negative, Our founders cautioned us that you cannot have a republic, which is our current form of government, if you don't have a moral and religious people. And kind of the most provocative question that one can ask is when America seeks to be moral and religious, can you still have the same form of government? And there is a push towards oligarchy. I find that push to be repulsive. I think it's anti-Christian. It's anti-Western. It's anti-citizen. I think it's a death sentence for freedom, liberty, and virtue. Absolutely. And the thing that stands in the way of it right now is the United States of America. That's right. And the values and principles that we were founded upon. And that's why the attacks are so vicious in this country. Yes. And and the best way to undo the American influence is from within. And the best way to destroy it from within is to attack faith and family. That's it. it and is that's the exactly what everything. we're seeing that's going on. And I, I will just reiterate it really quick, Dr. Carson. Earlier in my career, I was always a Christian, but I, I, I temporarily fed into a lie that you can have liberty and freedom without the bedrock of faith, or at least de-emphasizing it. It is, a, it is a lie. Everyone should reject it. You will not find a free society that is secular. It is impossible. Yes. Well, do you think um, that maybe, you know, we kind of gloat sometimes and we say we won the Cold War. Maybe we didn't win the Cold War. Maybe that's what uh, Khrushchev was talking about when he said to Eisenhower, your grandchildren's children will live under our system. (laughs) Well, depending on how deep you want to get into this, Dr. Carson, McCarthy was on to something. He probably overreached in certain places, but there were legit communists in cultural institutions, in the government, and the Soviets. You know, it's very funny. We, We talk about how we Americans would send spies to the Soviets and try to infiltrate the Soviet regime. Don't it, it, we? They they did it to us too, and we're mm-hmm. talking about outright car, outright card carrying commissar Marxists, and that is the great most provocative question of the 21st century: Who actually won the Cold War? Yes, absolutely. Well, let me ask you this: Have have you always been conservative uh, growing up, and uh, what is keeping the conservative message from reaching? so many of our young people. Yes, I was always conservative. Admittedly, I fell for the Obama thing very temporarily in 2008. I was an eighth grader in Chicago 
it was hard not to kind of get swept up in that. Sure. But I, it was just kind of more of like cheering for the local sports team than it was an actual political affiliation. And honestly, I was a one issue voter. I wanted the wars to end, which I still stand for, by the way. And you remember Obama. That was kind of his whole thing. Uh, right. It was one of the, you know, uh, jet propulsions behind his candidacy. Right. Look, we as conservatives, first of all, I want to say some good news. Young men are the most conservative they've been in the last 50 years. Young ladies um, present a great opportunity. I'm putting it nicely. Uh, they're not as conservative. Look, we as conservatives have have a tough have a tough task because we have to basically push back against the utopian promises and projections of people that will never accomplish what they say. They mm-hmm. also build on they build on the the lower impulses of humanity. Let's take from this person because you deserve it. You don't have to produce. You don't have to toil. You don't have to work. Vote for me and I'll give you something for nothing. And in the current left wing regime, uh, they they largely say that um, if you give us political power and we're, we're going to allow you to do whatever you want to do, regardless of any sort of moral guardrails around you. And so we, the fact that we as conservatives are doing as well as we are is remarkable and we can always do better. I just want everyone to understand how difficult the intellectual and philosophical terrain it is mm-hmm. for a conservative to enter. My job would be so easy, Dr. Carson, if I showed up at Arizona State University and I said, hey, I'm going to forgive all your student loan debt. I'm going to make every drug legal. You can have sex with whoever you want. And I'm going to go to the super rich people in Scottsdale and take all their homes and give you money. Thank you very much. I'll see you next week. <laughs> you would be very popular. <laughs> that's right. But I wouldn't be saying anything that's true. And I definitely wouldn't be articulating a worldview that would pass down a society to be conserved. Right. And that's our job is to try to protect and conserve mm-hmm. the civilization from forces that want to ruin it. Well, I thank you for being a, a voice of common sense. We don't have a whole lot of that out there. It's not common anymore. And, uh, you know, I, I think about uh, we just passed the Christmas season and the mayor of Boston had a party to which no white people were invited. Uh, how crazy is that? And I just wish, I wish a bunch of white people had gone anyway and say, we identify as black. <laughs> because isn't that the same as identifying I, as a male or female when that's not what you are? I agree. And that is a perfect example. So just as a side note here, it makes sense that it happened in Boston. Boston has the most universities of colleges of any major city in the country. And Massachusetts is the most college educated state in the country. It makes sense that the most college educated state in the country, that the mayor would want segregation and Christmas parties. It's perfectly consistent. Well, in closing, what gives you hope? Well, Jesus Christ gives me hope. Um, I also will say that post-COVID happening below the surface, there is a appetite, a thirsting, a demand for truth that I have not lived through in 11 years. There are people that are willing to consider different arguments, dive deeper and do their own research. Um, We were outright lied to during COVID so repeatedly, so aggressively, on things that we knew that were not true, such as the closure of churches, 
kids not going to school, three-year-olds having to wear masks, um, the forcing of the gene-altering shot called the vaccine on people that were discharged from the military, that the, the response to that was a whole movement now of people reconsidering, do I actually believe this? Maybe I should check my sources. Maybe the media is bought and paid for. I don't know how that is going to manifest politically, Dr. Carson. But what I know is that from our audience and from the people I engage with, um, there is a desire to dig deeper, unlike anything I've ever seen. Mm. And I think only good things can come out of that because the truth will set you free. And to kind of finish how we started, that is education. Mm -hmm. Previously, we were all living in the allegory of the cave, looking at a simulation of nothing more than a projection of puppets on a wall. And people are now making the courageous step to break out of that and to pursue the light and pursue the truth. I believe the entire ballgame is John 10.10. The enemy has come to lie, steal, cheat, and destroy. I, Mm -hmm. Jesus, have come to give life and life more abundantly. That's Mm -hmm. the whole ballgame. And uh, that's what gives me hope. Well, I'll tell you, you have certainly done your part. And, uh, you know, God put you here for a reason. And you're only 30 years old, so I could see some amazing things in the future for you. And just appreciate the fact that you've been willing to get out there, take the fire, and uh, give other people the courage to get out there, too. So thank you for being such an inspiration to so many people. Thank you, Dr. Carson. And I'll be right back with my closing thoughts and prescription for you for this week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. fascinating conversation that was with uh, Charlie Kirk. His life shows you that one individual with strong convictions can have an incredible impact. Every one of us has a sphere of influence and we need to be willing to stand up for what we believe in, just like Charlie Kirk did. But make sure you do it with love and respect for other people. That's the prescription. Stand up for your beliefs 
with love and respect for other people. And that's it for this week. We will see you again next week. Make sure you get what you need on Spotify or Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, free of charge, by the way. You can go back and review the multitudinous uh, other episodes. Make sure you rate us, review us, tell your friends and your family about us because we all have a duty to spread common sense. Make common sense common once again. And remember the cornerstone principles, faith, liberty, community, and life. See you next week.